This is Trans Advocate Essays. Today's essay is by Kelly Winters, read by Kelly Winters, titled The New York Magazine Lies to Parents About Trans Children. If you like hearing Trans Advocate Essays, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash transadvocate. Jesse Single, senior editor at nymag.com, has enlisted his New York Magazine blog to promote the widely publicized presumption that painful distress with birth assigned sex and gender are just a phase for the great majority of children who suffer it. Quote, while the actual percentages vary from study to study, overall it appears that about 80% of kids with gender dysphoria end up feeling okay in the long run with the bodies they are born into. Singles' article defines desistance as, quote, the tendency for gender dysphoria to resolve itself as a child gets older and older. Single praised the 80% desistance claim in his article as solid scientific consensus and boasted that every study, not some, but, quote, every study that has been conducted on this has found the same thing. He scorned those like Julia Serrano, Bryn Tannehill, and researchers Olson and Durwood, who do not accept the 80% presumption. He characterized them as part of the problem, as essentially ignoring science and preventing intelligent, informed discussion. Single wrote, Every study that has been conducted on this has found the same thing. At the moment, there is strong evidence that even many children with with rather severe gender dysphoria will, in the long run, shed it and come to feel comfortable with the bodies they were born with. The critiques of the desistance literature presented by Tannehill, Serrano, Olson, and Durwood, and others don't come close to debunking what is a small but rather solid, strikingly consistent body of research. The real problem, however, is that single support for the 80% presumption and its promoters from the Toronto Clark Institute, now called the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, or CAMH, and the Dutch VU University Medical Center rest on the following entirely misleading statement from the article. He said, quote, It's hard to imagine a kid meeting all of the necessary criteria in the DSM-4 and not actually being gender dysphoric. Since 63% of the subject in Singh's study met these criteria, this really wasn't a sample of children who were just non-conforming. The author preceded these remarks with a listing of the 1994 Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 4th edition, Diagnostic Criteria for Gender Identity Disorder of Children that were used for intake selection in these childhood desistant studies in Toronto and Amsterdam between 1994 and 2013. But the actual diagnostic criteria contradicted his conclusion. In fact, the subcommittee responsible for gender identity disorders in the DSM-4, as the fourth edition is known, deliberately chose to allow diagnosis of gender identity disorder of children without any quote, explicit wish to be of the opposite sex. For example, the following statement could be false, and yet children could still be diagnosed as having a gender identity disorder under the DSM criteria used for desistance research. Quote, repeatedly stated desire to be or insistence that he or she is the other sex. 
This was subcriterion one of criterion A of the Gender Identity Disorder of Childhood Diagnosis. But this subcriterion was not required for diagnosis. In fact, only four of five subcriteria were required to meet criterion A. Here are the remaining four. They all describe gender nonconforming behaviors. Subcriterion two. In boys, preference for cross-dressing or simulating female attire. In girls, insistence on wearing only stereotypical masculine clothing. Subcriterion three, strong and persistent preferences for cross-sex roles in make-believe play or persistent fantasies of being the other sex. Subcriterion four, intense desire to participate in the stereotypical games and pastimes of the other sex. Subcriterion five, strong preference for playmates of the other sex. By this now void standard, children could be judged to meet criterion A strictly on the basis of gender nonconformity alone, with no indication of actual gender dysphoria or incongruent gender identity. Here's a breakdown of the rest of the now void DSM-4 and DSM-4-TR criteria for gender identity disorder of childhood. Criterion B referenced gender dysphoria in the sense of distress with physical sex characteristics or assigned gender roles, but once again had loopholes that allowed diagnosis because of behavioral gender nonconformity without evidence of actual gender dysphoria. Birth assigned boys could meet criterion B with, quote, aversion toward rough and tumble play and rejection of male stereotypical toys, games, and activities. So could birth assign girls with a, quote, marked aversion toward normative female clothing, whatever that means. Criterion C excluded diagnosis for children with intersex conditions. Criterion D was the clinical significance criterion added to almost all categories in the DSM-4. It required significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. However, the Gender Identity Disorder in Children Supporting Text maintained that distress from social prejudice rather than from gender dysphoria itself would meet Criterion D. To be clear, the criteria of the DSM-4 and DSM-4-TR published in 2000, the very standard under which kids could be diagnosed with gender identity disorders without actually having gender dysphoria, this is how these researchers came to tout an 80% desistance rate that is quoted in the New York Magazine article. Remember, these flawed standards are now void. These loopholes were partially corrected in the DSM-5 in 2013, but the data from the prior desistant studies of gender nonconforming children were never re-evaluated in light of the new diagnostic criteria. Conflation of a much larger superset of gender nonconforming children who never actually suffer gender dysphoria with a much smaller subset of children with actual gender dysphoria is not solid scientific consensus. Seriously, folks, the 80% desistance stereotype is like confusing leopards with mammals and claiming that leopard cubs are most likely to desist in being spotted because most mammals don't have spots. That's not science. That's not logic. That's something else entirely. Gender nonconformity is not gender dysphoria. Children who were never gender dysphoric to begin with are not desistant. If you like hearing Trans Advocate essays, 
please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash transadvocate.